0: we
1: This is Bruce, this is John,
2: this is Blix,
3: this is Trav, and this is Still Rich.
4: (laughs) Welcome to the Tri-Tac Gains podcast, your podcast of having fun with your plastic pal who's fun to be with until he rips your guts out.
1: Crush, kill, destroy! And those are the good
4: things.
3: (laughs) We welcome our lo- robot overlords.
4: Indeed we do. Unfortunately, they they don't seem to be doing much. Thank you, everybody, for joining us for the TriTac Games podcast. We are now talking about Hardwired Hinterland. Now, we had an earlier episode, which was called Cat Rulers. Uh, in the hard hinterland, we were asking, why are cats, considering that there's so many of them, and they are mostly intelligent, as in uh, 95% of them are human intelligence. More than humans. Right. Why aren't they in charge? Okay, and so we had a lot to talk about here. So this time, we're going to talk about NORAM. NORAM is the environ uh, in the hard hinterland hinterland uh, that... Uh, is where all the super high tech comes from, at least as far as we can tell, and uh, and there's a lot of killer robots there. So we just ask the question of, well, considering it's only 200 miles to the nearest Environ, why haven't they just, you know, spread their wings and come over here and basically eliminated those those pesky carbon-based life forms? But uh, before we go any further, uh, Trav, why don't you uh, explain to our readers, our listeners who haven't played Hardwater Hinterland, Land, just the basics of, of how the game is laid out.
3: Okay, it is obviously an artificially created environment, a vast ocean with 200 miles square islands, or environs, and each of them seems to have a particular city or area scooped out of time and history and plopped on it. You have New Akron. You have this NORAM, which is like a post-apocalyptic um, like modern-day post-apocalyptic setting. You have Magikost. You have and I, New Old New York, which is like New York from the 1930s. And each of these settings are placed on an environ and Due to the <clears throat> super omnivoric ecosystem in the ocean separating these environs, the only real way you can go from one to another environ is via air travel. So we have on one of the environs a DC-3 graveyard that once you get one and it's yours, you use something known as a lightning crystal to decrease the mass of that DC-3 for easier travel. And hence, a whole culture of trade and communication is based on these pilots and navigators going from environment to environment.
4: Okay, so, you know, we have a grid of 200-mile-square islands that have different ecologies on them, and and one of them happens to be NORAM, which is a post-North, you know, basically North America, the way that in all the sci-fi shows, they would refer to, you know, the, what used to be the North America is NORAM, you know, because every, everybody slurs everything together in the post-apocalyptic world. So, uh, all right, so we're we're here, and I'm looking at our map here. I'm a little confused because I'm trying to figure out.
1: Number 21.
4: It's it's 21. Oh, okay. I was looking at the wrong side of it. Okay, so Noram is right next to our Kansas. (laughs) I wonder how they feel about that. And then also right next to Lizard Woods and Caddy Corner to uh, Ice Cap. And then they've got some other stuff that we don't know what they are because they're all listed as being unexplored. So... From the standpoint of them spreading out, the only really danger to anybody, uh, you know, is uh, at least as far as civilization is concerned, would be them spreading over to Arkansas, which is only uh, 200 miles away. And that's basically a fairly bucoic uh, farming community, you know, uh, uh, land, and it's not. Really, it has no real army or defenses or anything like that, so they would just roll over that in a second and just take all those cows and people and just shove them into the bioconverters and produce more killer robots, don't you think?
1: I'm trying to figure out what year it is because it's 4200 space 78 CE. Did you mean 4278 CE, Richard, or did you mean 42, forty two thousand 420,078 CE? No. <laughs> 4028 CE. Ah. Okay, so okay, so you got a space at least in my copy there's a space in there where it doesn't belong. Okay, so Yeah, all right. So for so yeah, it's at the at the upper range of where you can pull people from.
4: So, it's basically another 2,000 years in the future.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Or it was? Oh. <clears throat> Or it was. was a future too? Not you know because we get people from other futures from the same time period. Never heard of Noram, so yeah. Remember, people being pulled from other dimensions, as other alternate worlds as well. So,
4: right. So, you know, in a, in a lot of ways, this is, is you know, it's connected into the fringe paths in a kind of a backwards fashion.
3: Well, there is Bruce. There is a fringe portal that leads to the hardwired hinterlands. It's in like, the positive positive eighties. It's an alt. But, yeah,
4: but the people people who get there are getting there by accidentally turning left. Yeah. So you know, theoretically, they could come coming from any number of alternate worlds and therefore alternate histories and stuff like that. So you know, if you look at it as being a part of the fringe paths, you know, it makes sense. Now, it, it, this is an alt, right? It's not a it's not
3: a prime. Yeah, it's an alt. I believe it is the eighth alt. I. Yeah, it, it's somewhere in the positive 80s or 90s, from what I remember. So. Yeah,
1: and based on what Richard told us about, it's within 40 light years of Earth.
3: Wait a minute, you you lost me there. Now, what what was that, John? Oh,
1: oh, you weren't here for the episode where Richard told us what the River hinterland is.
3: No, that were might you? have been one of the five or six over the past four years that I've missed. Is <laughs> he actually covered
4: it in in Portals four?
1: Yeah, yeah. You were there for Portals four. Yeah. Okay. It's it's where it's, it's where all the term-
4: we're trying not to tell everything about that book so people have a reason to buy it, guys. Yeah, yeah. Okay.
1: It's a it's a really special thing, folks. Really special.
4: So if you want to find out the the you know some of the stuff about the hard water hinterland, you need to go buy Portals Four. Oh, so. Okay, I'll look that up after this. All right. <laughs> Okay, so we got seventeen thousand people spread spread horizontally and vertically. Okay, over this environ because from looking at the map on it, which I'm not quite sure I understand, because we have like you know twelve areas that you you got marked on here, Richard. And um, are these all supposed to be giant buildings? Each
3: of these squares.
0: Um, could be yes.
3: Oh, uh, okay. They're arcologies. Yeah, the way I see it is each of the squares, like, one to four are suburbs, five and seven are cities, and then eight to 12 are, like, megalopoli, megacities. Yeah. So,
1: looking up in the description, it says three-mile spires, so the suburbs are probably one mile tall, the, uh, the uh, city is two miles tall, and the megacity is three miles tall.
4: Well, I just look at it as all big mega city because, frankly, I mean, there's lots of games out there that have done mega cities really well, and uh, I mean, I just look at this, and to me, this looks like just basically this is a this is an environment that's been really flattened by weaponry, too. Yeah,
1: yeah, Bruce, you said it. It's mega city.
4: Yeah, it is. It is a mega city. It's not mega city one.
1: Mega City. Well, it's the only one we know of, so it gotta be Mega City One.
4: There's actually Mega. There's six Mega Cities, John.
1: Yeah, I know, I know, I know.
4: <laughs> what are you talking about, then, John?
1: Judge Dredd. You know, oh, Judge, okay. Thought it,
4: so. I don't think we want to plant Judge Dredd in the middle of, of the Hardwire hinterland. For, not only would it be a violation of copyright, but I think it it also doesn't fit.
2: All oh, that pesky copyright. <laughs>
4: But anyways, yeah. If you're a GM, do
2: what you want.
4: Right. But see, you know, I looked at this and I was thinking more along the lines of the cities that are in uh, uh, Blade Runner.
1: Yeah. Oh, like Tyrell's Pyramid?
4: Well, you have these gigantic buildings that are literally, you know, people live their entire lives with it. We know from the description here that some people, tribes of people, live on a single floor in one of these, you know, three-mile-high buildings. So we're not talking about, you know, like uh, the Bois Tower.
3: Yeah, arcologies are what they called,
4: yeah. Well, arcologies to me sound a little bit more put together than uh, what I've been reading here. I don't really, I see this as being really in bad shape. It's Kwanloon City. Okay, you're making another b- b- bizarre reference, John, I don't. I don't get.
1: K- Kwanloon City was actually this shanty town built outside of Hong Kong. But it was unique because it was at least uh, what, 15, 20 stories tall, and it was built as a cube. And it was basically built from the ground up by everyone who lived there. And it's just this massive little, hot, basically a, a self-made archaeology. You know, and it was just a hive of scum and villainy from everything I heard, but also some good schools too. So,
3: (laughs) wait,
2: (laughs) yeah, they had to. You can look. You can look it up online. They had the the government had to tear it down because it was becoming. Uh, a health, a health issue.
4: Yeah, a rat-infested rat puzzle.
2: <laughs> oh, dude! Not just that; they're bot there's bodies laying in there all over the place, and it was just, it oh, just yeah. was, it was not conducive it, for people to live in. It oh.
1: wouldn't be unusual to have someone's little shanty get completely blocked off, and they can't get out. Right. There's you know, and they're wires.
2: It it looked like um like spaghetti. Like I don't know how the electricity worked. I just I just don't know.
4: Right. Well, okay, so let's talk about that as far as this is concerned, because that's one vision of this place is that you've got this this wrecked megacity where there's still wires and things going over everywhere from some su- from the central power source of the power core. Okay? Or we have instead a core city that does have power, and everything else is being powered by nuclear generators because we know those are in the game too. There's all small nuclear power producers and uh, solar electric panels and all kinds of other things that could be out there. So that's the question. You know, is is do we just have a core central city like you were talking to eight, you know, eight through and uh, seven, eight, ten, eleven, twelve being this, you know thing that's actually a real city and everything else is just in you know, in, 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 holding on as best it can or is there integration between these various areas?
3: I would say it's hit and miss. I would think it's like you'd have some areas that whatever inhabitants are there, they say, yeah, okay, we've rigged up power and we can survive. And there are just other areas that are dark and have no power, no water or anything. So I would just yeah. say whoever happens to have conquered and claimed an area would have done their best to at least meet their power needs. I don't think the entire place would have completely hooked up power system because it is ecliptic.
1: There are some treasures in here. Look at the look at the listing for transport, air, ground, tram and port pads. As in teleport pads.
4: Is that what it means, Richard? Yes, it is.
1: What's the range on them?
4: Wherever they go. It's going to be no
3: more than 200 miles, John. Well, yeah. Remember, this environment was snatched (laughs) from some Earth. Therefore, Mm -hmm. maybe, let's say this entire, the entire original Earth, you could go anywhere via these port pads. Well, obviously, only the port pads that are attached to this city would be its range. I don't think you could sit there and port, to what is it? Ellis junction, which I think is the, the stop off no. that other explorers made. That's the airfield. Yeah.
1: Yeah. But I'm thinking, no, I'm just, what I'm thinking of is that like any good, you know, port, like with Larry Niven's, uh, uh, teleport, uh, systems that you need, you need two, a very minimum of two to link up between the two of them. You step on one, you port to the next, so you you need at least two, and maybe you know maybe they're paired and paired up in a certain you know certain direction. You know you walk one way, bam, you go ten blocks down down the road or a hundred blocks. It, it may be you know on the hinterland, it's line of sight more or less. On a plant, you probably no more than ten miles, and you got to deal with rotational effects.
4: Or they're programmed. And then you, if you step on one, you go to another poor pad. But there's no But it's not programmed to bring you back. You step on it again, you go to somewhere else too. So you've got this strange, weird network trying to figure out arrows on how to get places because you you have to go like all the way out to uh, Ellis Junction just to get back to someplace close to where you
3: started from. Or there could have been the system where. Let's say it gave you a map, like, you know, a hologram pops up and it shows where you are. I want to go here. Bing. You step on the pad. Boom. You're there. If you want to return, you step on that other pad. You bring up the hologram. Mm-hmm. Oh, I want to go back to the origin point. Touch the on the hologram. You step on the pad. Boom. You're back. I would never do that. Yeah. Is there a
1: template big enough, Richard, to copy one of these? A template, no. Ah, okay. So you had to steal them. And then you had to cross your fingers and you hope they work.
4: you talking about these
1: teleport pads? Yeah.
4: I'm surprised that you said that, Richard, considering that the template machine or whatever you want to call it that's in New Pittsburgh is cranking out those huge I-beams.
0: Yeah, but the, to crank out I-beams, it has to be sideways. It can be sideways or vertically, and they simply drop through. And an I-beam yeah. doesn't have to be more than 4 by 4
1: Yep. And I got a feeling that these port pads are a lot bigger. You, yeah, it may be like a little one meter square on the ground, but it's probably this humongous machine underground. you also got to copy and make it work. So it, it may not be very portable. So that may, may be the reason why no one's bothered scavenging them because it's it, basically you have a bunch of machinery you got to worry about, and it may not work, as we said, elsewhere.
4: All right, so let's let's go to our topic, yes, which is the robots. Okay, so now uh, let's talk about what kind of robots are here. Okay, we know that there are killer robots, but that's kind of unspecified. Okay, the only, ro- as far as I know, the only robots we actually know about are the uh, mad uh, uh, the mad balls and the odd balls.
1: Yeah, but I. I I never thought of them as being Noram bots. I always saw them being something uh, a, a a broken part of the hinterland.
4: You think there's a a broken part, you know, like like the the third thing that is used to make things. There's the restore keys, There's the maintenance, and then there's the uh,
1: uh, oddballs. Yeah, for some reason their programming's all shot because they they may be like, they may be another version of of for maintenance. Once the maintenance leave.
4: Yeah, I don't like that, so I'm not going to go that way, John. But uh, because it's just because, first of all, it's helpful to have at least one example. Okay, and the, and uh, oddballs are basically a ball that has this basically an eyeball and it's got an arm sticking off the edge of it, and one hand that can do stuff. Though there probably would be some that have two hands. Uh, okay, that's one version. All right, and uh, we know that sometimes the oddballs uh, go cranky, go 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 psychotic and they become mad balls and go around trying to kill people.
1: And don't forget screw balls too.
4: what's the difference between the oddballs and the screwballs?
1: You see oddballs uh, the average oddball is a helpful device that attaches itself to an individual and stays with them. Uh, it's from some techni- from some from a techn- technological place. So it's unspecified where it came from.
4: There is no technological place that we know of besides NORAM.
1: That we know of
4: yeah do we know of.
1: if we find some on the other side on the flip side of the hinterland, then we know they they 're coming from someplace else. I would imagine i don 't see them making it through the hydrogen the hydrogen layer a helium layer before they yeah. get fried but
4: well, it's also could be that they just made it they just turned left like everything else
1: so yeah, they do cleaning repairing and gen, and, a, and generally a protective if helpful ha, hand in their mission. Uh, these any devices do not communicate, but they understand orders. Uh, no oddball has ever harmed a healing thing in memory. Of course, like you said, mad balls are like are like that, only have an attitude problem and will attack you. And screwballs are defective oddballs, who seem to have a mission or are trying to build something without the tools and parts that are needed.
4: I mean a screwball and an oddball look exactly the same. As a matter of fact, they all look exactly the same. I mean, as far as you can't say, well, that's an oddball or that's a madball, except for the fact he's killing somebody, okay? It's just, you know, I mean, only by behavior can you tell the difference between these
1: things. They all have red eyes. That doesn't help.
4: Yeah, it doesn't help a bit. So does Hal, uh, but, you know, that's also a bad example, I guess, yeah.
1: how is <laughs> special.
4: Unless we're, we we want to go and say that Noram is full of these guys, it just seems to me that um, when they talk about you know killer robots, I always think of something a little bit more massive, a little bit scarier, you know something else that that's actually designed to be you know lethal. I imagine other than than the oddballs and and uh, screwballs and whatever. Um, I think this is a place where we could actually, you know, uh, reach out to another one of Richard's products. Heradicator. Heradicator supplement, because he did have some examples of some humiform and other types of robots that were actually became killer robots. And so you could have killer robots that don't look like the Terminator, that don't look like uh, the, the hunter-killers that are flying in the Terminator. And would, do they have a name for the ones that were just rolling around crushing skulls? Not or that I Those three were the only kind we ever saw. So I'm just saying is that you could have a lot more variety, you know, and I imagine that there are. What do the rest of you guys think? you think there's a whole variety of uh, of robots in NORAM, or is
0: there just a few basic types? A oh. huge variety. Oh, yeah.
1: yeah, Definitely. Yeah I, mean, yeah, I mean, if you go and look at the uh, uh, Fast Hawk, his quotation. Klings go voot. Bang! Droid's bad. Andy's bad. Mute's bad. All bad. We'll trade food packs. Trade for boomers. Maybe find more of these things.
4: That was so descriptive, John. I
1: know, but <laughs> the thing is, he's talking about droids and androids. Uh, what's the difference between android and Andy? I'm, oh, okay, droids can be like R two D two. Andies are more like replicants. Yeah,
4: or three CPO.
1: Yeah, yeah, and uh, I like you want Android doll? Nice doll should not should no have knife.
4: I'll agree with that. Having watched X Machina. Ex oh, oh yeah, the yeah, yeah. Job. That's Very a
3: good movie.
1: People-
4: yeah, androids should not have knives. No. No,
2: heck, heck,
0: heck. Spoiler. Most human beings should not have knives. Knives, yeah. Fair yeah. yeah. But
1: they could look like Chappie,
0: which is a humiform robot. You could have them look like uh,
3: Ed 209 from Robocop, too. They could be like those. Two legs and a lot of guns, yeah. And a lot of guns, yeah.
2: And they also could look like punker pans. Here we go. <laughs> Another oddball off the wall reference that nobody gets.
0: <laughs> oh, I absolutely get it. An artist who died very early back in the uh, back in the 70s. His name was Vaughn uh, Bode. Uh, I actually know his son, Mark. And uh yeah. the uh he he did a Warbots basically kind of World War 1 styled and uh, they, they basically were fighting each other, and all sorts of wonderful stuff. The the comics were called Junk Waffle. And uh, if you ever get a chance to get them, get them. They're wonderful.
1: Yeah, punk pants were were just cylinders with a eye with a with a with an eye, with an eye or you know eye visor Friends. and a thirty and a thirty caliber machine gun mounted on top of their head and two legs, and that is it.
4: So we have these robots, okay, and they, whether or not they were intentionally designed to be killer robots, they are killer robots. And and so the question is, is that why haven't they broken free of the hinterland and gone, I mean, I'm sorry, the hinterland, broken free of NORAM and gone off and basically mowed down Arkansas? So one of the things I'd like to suggest as a reason they don't is because. Most of our concepts of the way AI will be is not actually based on human brains, but actually based more on a basically a logical construct. What we, you know, when we talk about robots, we usually think of them as saying they're very logical. They do things that are, you know, that they follow rules, um, and they have, if not. Entirely predictable behavior, but at least they have behavior that seems rational, okay? Unlike these crazy human beings that just do whatever they feel like doing. So these robots, assuming that at least some of them are like this, okay? They, let's say they get out, or at least they start start checking out the hinterland, and they find out all the things that go on in the hinterland that break natural laws as we know them.
1: Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Magic costs.
4: What would that do to their little robotic brains?
1: I would
3: think the lightning crystals, magic cost, uh, the restorkies, that they they would just be like, no. okay, this needs to go, this isn't right, and just yeah. Yeah,
4: Yeah, because there's not there's nothing that says that the Restorkies aren't building a small world after all ride right in the middle of Noram somewhere.
2: Well hold on. I'm gonna say that, that you know, it's it's that is likely that they'll get out there and you know their circuits will get fried or confused or they'll get lost or they you know, or, or whatever. They they have problems. But you know, they're communicating back with their home base and being that this is a well, I don't know. I'm just let's I'm I'm gonna assume if they're advanced robots, they can. I mean a, a simple radio could do it, right? Well yeah, they say communication,
3: radio and telephone, so yeah.
2: Yeah. So so let's say they're communicating back, you know, and, and they're communicating back to this this uh, super intelligence, you know, robot world. Uh, now there's no there's no reason why it has to be super intelligent. I'm just assuming it is because it's robot world. Um, so wouldn't it make adjustments? Wouldn't it be able to make adjustments?
4: Well, if you assume that there's a real there's an intelligence out there that's equal to our own or greater, and it has that kind of flexibility, mm-hmm. then then that particular one might be able to, but it doesn't mean necessarily that the robots themselves the 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 robots that are going out there are going to be able to be modified or uh, you know especially if robots are coming out of templates they're basically going to be what they are, and if they don't have the capacity to deal with these kinds of weird changes that seem to be going on uh, in the uh in uh in the hinterland then they, that's one of the reasons why they might get stuck, okay? Because they're like, okay, uh, we don't have enough grav units to fly off of, you know, to fly over to Arkansas and take it over. Uh, yeah, we know that these humans are flying these big, gigantic planes with alcohol, but we know alcohol can't produce enough power to fly a plane like that. So I don't know how they're doing it, but I'm not getting on one of those.
2: Either that. That's not e- compute. Either that or, wait a minute, hold on. Maybe they are. Um, Maybe they are not smart enough. I mean, if they're dumb enough, that could actually help them because maybe they just ignore stuff that doesn't compute. Like, I, you know, it, it, they're not they're not smart enough to go, "Oh, hey, wait a minute, that's weird. What do I do about that? I don't know what to do about that. Hmm, I'm stuck." Maybe they just ignore it. I have a thought,
1: and Bruce, you brought it up, and you and you brought it up. The robots are not, are not intelligent. Therefore, they could have been built by the Restorkies. The entire Noram was built by the Restorkies. The other thing they couldn't build, because it's intelligent, was the central controlling AIs. They're people. They can't build them.
4: Well, if, if the Restorkies built Noram, why does it look so bad?
1: They built it exactly the way it was on Noram's Earth. At the time, it was copied. <laughs> it, if you go to that Earth, it looks just like that it is a post-apocalyptic city. They built it exactly for whatever. We have no idea whether the Storkies do what they do. They decided to build Noram exactly the way it was at 4228 CE on a Sunday. Do we have any example
4: anywhere in the hinterlands where Restorkies build a uh- Buildings in partial states of uh, decomposition, because they just happened to be that way when they decided to take a, a imprint on it.
1: I think maybe the Egyptian ruins on the desert one. Uh, which one's that? Where is that? Crap. Let me go back to the map and figure out which one it is. I think that Egyptian one, the Egyptian one is actually ruins and not...
4: But it doesn't say that, that the restorkeys built it.
1: Oh yes, it's given that every building, every city is built are built by the Restor-Keys.
4: I don't. I well, okay. Some of it, I I would agree too. Uh,
1: I mean, every every uh, well, we have the man right here. We can always ask him, <laughs> Richard. Do Restorkis build everything? All the buildings <laughs> that yes. humans didn't come. Yes, okay.
4: Okay, so the Restorkis then built Noram to look like it does.
1: Yeah, because in, in in the uh, Sahara. The, the desert, they, they basically built the, the Egyptian ruins exactly the way they were. Yeah, it's a nasty desert environment with Egyptian ruins and no population. Well, it's got 250 people there, but they're all looters. Um, so, yeah. <laughs>
4: <laughs> no one actually works the place, right? Other than actually works the ruins. Nobody's growing crops there, you know? No one said, hey, I'm going to just sit here and make a lemonade stand.
1: Water is scarce, and the beds have not seen rain in 40 years. So, no, no one is growing crops there.
4: Well, John, just because there hasn't been any rain there for 40 years doesn't mean there isn't still a water table.
1: Yeah, that's true. But, yeah, it, you know, so, yeah, the, so there's an example of a place where they built with ruins. So, yeah, Noram is, yeah, they built Noram, and they built all the robots. All
4: right, well, it's a good point because I've never really considered that before. That, that NORAM actually looks the way the Restorkis built it.
1: Yeah, and they couldn't build the AIs because the AIs are people. So there's no controlling AIs in there, so the robots are basically uncontrolled. They're going around doing whatever their autonomous programs tell them to do, and they, the programs go bad with time, and, you know...
4: Unless they come out of, uh, as I said, they come out of templates.
0: Yeah, yeah. What? And they make worse ruins...
4: So that was one reason thing I wanted to consider why they haven't taken over everything. Okay, there's another thing which is part of your text, Richard, and that is it says that there are just zillions and zillions of broken d- you know, destroyed robots just laying all over the place and that the other robots are running around you know not necessarily running around like sprinting everywhere, but I mean they're they're going around and they're salvaging parts from those damaged robots to fix themselves. Yep. Now, assuming that this has been going on for quite some time and those parts too go bad, and there isn't a constant supply of replacement parts coming from some template somewhere, because most things seem to be buried, that means that eventually these robots are going to start harvesting each other. Yep. And that's a really good way of keeping people from going and taking over the world when half of your, you know, when basically you've got the Ouroboros snake that's eating itself.
0: <laughs> so it doesn't get anywhere. Well, we 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 also have one one very simple fact: broadcast power that the, the hinterland has multiple generators buried deep that are giving the entire area the power it needs. Basically, the uh, <laughs> a, a crawl generator, right? Um, <laughs> but that's it, and then it, it, you can't once they leave the hinterland. Or the uh, the uh, the environ, and head for the next one about ten miles out. Basically, they fall out of the sky. They just they cease.
3: I was thinking that there was something keeping them on the island. It was either that or just their program. They can't leave the environ. That's the only I would think that would be something in their programming.
4: So you're te- okay so Richard you're saying that that most of the power that's on Noram is actually broadcast power
0: broadcast power later on and the generators are also used as backup generators they're finding the uh generators for you know for small things for portable things for air cars that kind of thing
1: Ah, so basically an air car, which should have humongous batteries on board, doesn't because all it needs is a receiver, and it can fly wherever it wants to. Goes ten miles off the island.
0: There's a there's a problem with that too, that it it probably has enough batteries on board to keep it from crashing once it <laughs> hits it hits the uh, the end of the power stream for the the big power stream. Think of a Tesla generator. Tesla wanted to electrify the world basically, and opposite. everything would be free. And he could have done it, too.
1: I, I'm going to assume that this is a Tesla world, so the, the real-life problems such as <laughs> getting, two, getting, getting two pieces of metal too close to each other in that environment would mean you get arcs between fingers
2: of the robots from that power
1: of the air. But, hey, yeah. <laughs> hey,
2: you know oh, what? Yeah. I, you know why they can't make it? You know why they can't make it off the island? Because they're all still running off of Windows ME. That's the issue. Oh.
4: <laughs> That's kind of what we were talking about with the whole. This, there's no super intelligent robots on the island. You know, they're all running on small, you know, uh, uh, Raspberry Pi
0: <laughs> cores. Don't laugh at Raspberry Pis. I've I've seen one just recently that can basically, with a little bit of Unix programming, can tap into every TV station on this planet. And I watched Romanian shopping channels. <laughs> <laughs> nice.
4: They did a, a, a you know a proof of concept recently, uh, or as in like within the last two years, where they had some chip. It was like a phone chip, okay. And they actually were able to boot a working copy of um, uh, Linux on it. It took like 36 hours to boot up, okay, because they had to literally they had to create this gigantic. Uh, um, virtual, you know, memory system so that it would run, but they actually managed to do that. So, that, you know, it, it, just because you have a, a good microprocessor or anything, it doesn't mean that you actually have enough memory and, and, or all the things that you need. And, of course, things are always trying to steal your memory and your parts and such, apparently on Noram.
1: Yeah, and also, a lot of these bots are, aren't, are you know, yes, they're fighting each other. They're fighting each other over, the, over parts, and they may not actually be war bots they may actually be garden gardening bots they may be you know seat, st- sanitation street sanitation bots they may be toasters <laughs> you never know well that's
4: why i was talking the, the you know eradicator because those were toasters that were killing people yeah i mean when we talk about killer robots it's it's a very fuzzy concept because you know there are there's robots that were you know concept driven you know they're made to be killer robots and then there's the robots that became killer robots because of one reason or another you know maybe they need to render human beings down to usable oil so they can keep their joints moving I mean, there's, you know, you could even see them as being a reluctant, you know, killer robots, like uh, like some vampires are are, are are presented. You know, we don't want to kill people, but we got to eat. You know, we, we got to live.
3: They're not evil. They're just misunderstood. Yeah, right.
4: No, not misunderstood, but they're predators out of necessity, not because they just like, they're not homicidal, you know, in a sense that they're doing it because they want to do it. You know, it's, it's a necessity thing. This will hurt
1: you me got- or
3: that. They- does you no no not really and, no don't hurt me
1: <laughs> and, and we can take it that because noram is was it was was a uh, disaster area when the restorkeys built it maybe because the robots were had gotten some sort of you know 4200 okay yeah someone wrote a uh, a virus and boof you know
4: you'd think there would be ba- you'd be there'd be firewalls sufficient in, in, by 4200 yeah. Just, yeah.
1: Right. Yeah. <laughs> no. No. Not when we. That way found. I, I uh, oh, This is uh, just a little sidetrack, but uh, because they're, they're, I remember seeing someone posting a thing about. Oh look, they found a. They found a virus that can get into your into the Mac firmware. Well, when you read the article, they said now it also gets into eighty percent of all PCs as well because they all use the same firmware. <laughs> Yeah. So it's, it's one of those things where, and it, once it gets in there, it's it's next to impossible to get it out unless you pop the chip and then you reset it. And that's literally the only way to get rid of it is to pop the firmware chip, per, the chip it gets into and reset the chip. It's one of the boot chips on your, on your.
4: Reset or replace it?
1: Uh, you can repla- replace it. Probably, it's probably easier than, than trying to reset the chip.
4: Okay. That word doesn't make any sense to me,
1: John. You mean reprogram the chip? Yeah, the, it's it's the it's the boot ch- it's the uh, EPROM chips they use to boot the uh, computer up. Are you saying you're
4: going to reprogram the EEPROMs to get rid of the virus?
1: Yes, exactly. That. That's it. You, 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 you basically wipe the you wipe the EEPROM and reprogram it, which means you got to take the computer apart. On my computer, I just get a new computer. It, it'll cost less than actually getting the heaven and take the thing apart and pop the, and pop the EEPROM chips. Trust John, me. are you one. talking <laughs> about
0: root, about rootkits?
1: Yes, it's a root kit thank you that's the word
0: a root kit okay yes. you you can you can you can kill any root kit Melody does it as a specialty for the University <laughs> of Michigan. but in, she goes in, in it, and she it, rips them out by their the by their little tendrils and basically re reprograms them. You can but, do yeah. it, but it's a bastard yes it's
1: it's it's a female canine yeah <laughs> all
4: right well speaking of female canines. Uh, that brings us to our next-ish uh, thing to talk about, and that is that you know Noram's not a nice place because it's got killer robots and it's got this de- decaying infrastructure and a whole lot of things that aren't so nice. But it, according to Richard's text, there are also mutated and and evolved animals that are every bit as tough and dangerous as the killer robots. Nice segue,
3: Bruce. Nice segue.
1: <laughs> as well as the human. I mean, okay, we just have mute. Well, let's not talk
4: about the humans yet. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So there's a there's a, a biological you know uh, ecosystem here that literally is eat dog.
3: Super omnivoric.
1: Yeah. The line is the animals. I got to do this right. The animals have evolved to survive the robots and match them tooth and claw. Right. <laughs> so
4: the robots are going to have a hard time get, getting out. You know, when the, the animals are apparently uh, you know, able to cause them damage. We're not quite sure if they have a reason to do it, uh, but definitely if, if the robots have a general purpose, let's kill anything human or anything uh, carbon based, then the animals would have a reason to go after them.
3: Well, here's the thing if animals have, okay, robots, metal skin, metal claws. Well, they could be plastic. Okay, but still, the plastic, they're, they're still going to be like, you know, super hard polymers and whatnot to do the job. So you're having these animals either having evolved or mutated because it says mute, um fast hawk, mutes bad, which means there are mutagens in this environment that will change anything that lives because there are not only humans, but there are mutated humans as well as mutated animals. But that means these mutations have made these animals to where their tooth and claw can rend metal and polymer. Hulk smash! Yeah, let that roll around in your heads a little bit, people, here. That these these animals on NORAM have either evolved or have been changed, mutated, to rip apart metal.
1: They could have uh,
3: graphene-edged claws. Yeah, carbon fiber and skeletons and chitinous armor. Because a lot of these robots will have, like, laser cannons and maybe bullets or rail guns on them. You know what I mean? So these are some heavy-duty weapons. Because you know if the animals are getting powerful, the robots, if if they're intelligent enough to, you know, upgrade themselves they're going to find better weaponry to take on these animals, which means it's a yeah. it's an arms race, so to speak.
4: And some of these animals might very well be purpose-built. Well,
1: yeah. And since they're capital A animals, like everything <laughs> else in here, Land, unless you blow its head off, it grows everything back you cut
3: off. So, yeah. Unless it evolves as it heals, like, let's say, I don't know, I'm... and. Those of you longtime listeners know I'm not the science geek in this group. Let's say that some of these animals have a mutagenic ability to, okay, I get damaged? Fine. What damaged me? Oh, it was rapid-fire machine gun. Fine. I grow back harder armor.
1: Oh, they're, they're Lamarckian now instead of Darwinian. Yeah. Which is nasty.
4: Right, well, if, if in fact is that these are in, uh, these animals are in fact cyborgs, as in they might have some kind of a, uh, assistive system of nanites self-replicating nanites in them they could be able to evaluate such things and yes they would be able to say hey I, my skin the skin needs to be tougher things are getting through and then go and, and put things like you know uh, start layering in you know as you said graphene car uh maybe a shell of of well, we talked about this before, but most people, when they th- they they still believe in the idea of going putting a shell of diamond over you know your body so nothing can get through.
1: It's actually brittle. Yeah, we know,
4: John, John, John. Let's, we understand, but the point is that there's you know this idea that you can armor up and you could and something like a nanite would be able to you know manufacture and also move um, some of these. Uh, non-organic uh, materials and add them to the uh, host body.
1: Yeah, and if they're combat nanites, that means it's they're, they're being powered by the very thing that's powering the robots, is broadcast power. Because I would imagine medical nanites will run off of your blood sugar, while combat nanites got to operate in combat time. They can't sit there and burn your sucrose, you know, your glucose, to the, the power themselves. They need power. So they're living off the broadcast power which is which means there's no reason why these robot, you don't see these da- these dang animals somewhere elsewhere because they can't heal themselves the way they do on uh, NORAM. they, they heal in, they heal in normal time
3: okay I, in my hypothesis here I wasn't thinking that the animals had nanotech I was thinking that just their genetics had evolved to adapt as needed I I wasn't even that it was all natural I wasn't even going that too I mean that.
1: Oh, that that can happen too. I mean, it, this place has got lots of nasty chemicals and mutagenic chemicals. Right. It gets into it gets into the wounds and yeah, it causes the causes the limb to grow back or whatever to grow back wrong. It may grow back wrong and the, and the guy dies, or it may grow back right. Or even writer. And yeah, they that's become a menace. That.
3: that that's what I meant, John, that your term to grow back writer and yeah, all of us here are cringing that we're making that word up. But basically, the DNA, the I guess recombinant DNA or whatever the term would be, it would say, okay, you were attacked by this robot that used this type of... It would adapt as needed as what the environment has inflicted upon it. Again, machine gun fire, gross skin back to make sure that machine guns don't hurt. Or if it was a laser beam, fine some type of heat resistant scaling or whatever, you know, just things like that. It'll grow it as needed as the animal deals with all these threats.
4: Right. And just as you have cells in your body that produce melanin to protect you against too much solar radiation, there could be s- specialized cells in these animals that produce materials that are tougher, that would toughen up the skin. Now it would probably get a lot less flexible But still, it would
3: serve his purpose. Yes. Thank you for the analogy. That's what I was trying to do. Like, how we do with melanin. Yeah. And because it is animals with a capital A, that would mean that they also are of human intelligence, which means they also use tactics. And, And they have that, you know, the robots, they have their rigid combat programming, Unless these And we're saying that these robots aren't all that smart, which means they're not um, heuristic. In other words, their, their robot brains don't work like a human brain. However, the animals are naturally heuristic. Therefore, they're going to adapt not only with the the, the the DNA, but just how to deal with these robots. Okay, fine. This robot did this? Fine. I will do this to avoid that next time. So these animals with capital A improve improve themselves in more ways than one. Not only on a genetic level, but also on a tactical level.
1: To to harken back to an episode we previously did about this topic, imagine what the cats are like in this place. Oh! (laughs) Well, I,
4: I have a little story which, uh, it was the very first robot battle we ever went to. And... The uh, They had a little robot that had a spinning blade on the front, and it was the smallest of all the robots. But it proceeded to tear apart robots three to four times its size on a consistent basis. The name of this robot? Apocalypse Kitty.
1: <laughs> Jeez. Oh, I can just imagine. And it, with cats, though... Imagine they get, they, they get a mutation which allows them to get chameleon like uh, abilities. Let's call them Cheshires. You don't see them until they're in your face, trying to claw your eyes out.
3: Yeah. Or give you a big lick. They might like you. Yeah. <laughs> the last thing you see is their smile. Yeah.
1: Yes, in the uh, Willie Salvaged King Carson uh, animals are out here, out there almost as bad. Saw so a skunk nearly five feet long that took out Thor, uh, Thor Cool Sprayed him and that's all she wrote. He was unconscious for near a week. The 50 cal took care of, yeah.
4: So we have giant animals, you know, As so any possible weird, you know, uh, version of an animal is
3: possible on Noram.
2: So you'd have all kinds of like chimera and stuff as well.
3: Yeah, I, I yeah. was just thinking that. Thank you, Blix. Yeah, yeah,
1: I could, yeah, I could actually see, yeah, or we are combining back. I mean, yeah, if 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 yeah, this place here, genetics are fluid. So yeah, you could have you could have a cat dog. <laughs> You know the the the, the 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 nose and nose and nose of a of a, dog, of a bloodhound and the sensibilities of a uh, Bengal tiger. Oh, okay. Uh, I
4: thought you were actually talking about the cartoon cat dog, you? Which is which is two thirds of the way to uh, you know human centipede, by the way.
1: Yeah. <laughs> no, it, that thing was just wrong. It had no butt.
4: I know. Yeah, I, I know.
2: That's never mind, John. He was yeah right.
4: <laughs> if you've seen Human Centipede, you you've seen all you need to see, you know. And and believe me, the the, the sequel that came after it was. Ugh.
1: I saw the trailer and I said, nope, nope, yeah, nope. I couldn't, I could not,
2: not get,
0: there are some so, things even I will not watch.
2: So so could you could you have like a combination like like cyber type animal? So yeah, so you could have well, yeah, John's. Tech, yeah, could you have John's famous and uh, favorite cat bus?
4: Wow, that's that's really that's yeah. The animal uh, and the answer would be yeah, sure you could, but that's what I would call a purpose built animal, right? Yeah.
1: Definitely, someone's toy. Only this one here is not the friendly. Take you where you need to go. It basically needs meat, and you're and you're just what it's looking for.
4: So it it basically takes you and shoves you <laughs> inside that buzz, and you're trapped inside, looking out through these fleshy bars, you know, and and and, and hoping that every once in a while it's going to grab something that you can actually eat and throw it in there with you, and then you could all fall upon
3: it, you know, together and. Oh, so you're saying this cat, this particular type of cat boss wouldn't take you for a meal, it would take you as a meal. Got it would you. take you for a ride is what it would <laughs>
4: <do>. <laughs> No, no, I, I'm not saying, no, I'm not even saying that they would actually eat you. I mean, in a sense, they would shove you inside its belly, but it's more like a kind of a bars, you know, and, yeah. and you're trapped inside and it's running around doing stuff and gra- trying to find more people to shove in there. You know, kind of a purpose built bus gone wrong kind of thing. Yeah.
1: It could, right. be, it, could be, it could be like a, su- a sundew you know, or a Venus flytrap. Eventually, it's time to eat, and it collapses the, the, the containment, and yum, yum, it eats you. <laughs> now, we,
4: we have an example of, of what you, know, you talked about, Peter and, and Trav. Uh, I have no mouth, and I must scream. Okay, The people in there are presented as being normal type humans, but then they start talking about the fact that they made them go for weeks without eating. You know their, stu- you know their bodies just gnawing at them with intense hunger, but they wouldn't die. They couldn't die. Okay, and then finally at the end of the story, you know the guy turns, you know the 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 the, the overlord computer turns them into a slug, so he can't try to commit suicide anymore. So you know there there are quite possibly machines out there with great, you know. Uh, fleshy, mutagenic abilities that would operate according to their own pattern and design. I mean, things that the programming has gone bad on them or, you know, it's, it's been like uh, Viger, where it's taken a, a couple of different... Ro- when, it, when it goes out and repairs itself from other robots, maybe some of those parts come with their own programming and then the programming inside the robot gets merged and then all of a sudden you have a robot that has entirely different directives in operation.
1: Yeah, and how, also how long have these robots been running? I mean, Leary, how long have they been running? Uh, eventually, uh, electronics do develop faults. No matter, even if these are quantum computing robots, they still will eventually develop faults and modify the programming. Eventually, they will s- stop working. But as the program gets modified, it may get modified just right. And that's why they they also maybe dangerous to other people or their or the directives make it change instead of you know do not hurt people it t- drops the word not <laughs> do hurt people
2: <laughs> oh yeah an error in the code yeah
4: you have that medical laser that's designed to you know destroy acne so it says do hurt pimple but then it gets changed do <laughs> <to> hurt people. <laughs> You've got a medical laser chasing you around Noram. Oh, no, it,
1: it, no it, has a, it has a limit to how far it burns off the pimple. It just simply loses the, how deep the pimple is. Yeah.
4: <laughs> got to get it all.
1: Yeah. yeah. <laughs>
4: <laughs> it's just going to come back if I don't. This is Bruce Sheffer saying there are a
1: million, million worlds out there, so go explore them. This is John Ryer saying keep your powder dry and keep those cards and letters coming in. This is
3: Blix. Don't hate the game, hate the players.
0: This is Richard Tahoka. Wait till you see what's coming next.
3: And this is Trav. There's a reason why it's called gaming. It's for having fun. Yo, brothers. This was the tri
1: Games Podcast. You know the drill. It's protected under the Creative Commons License 3.0. No commercial reproduction, no derivatives, and sucka... You best attribute
2: this to the folks at tri Games. And if you don't, we'll be after your sorry butts. Because we're some bad
0: mothers.